All right, so looking over the recording, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. We're documenting everything, what happened to you, Yuli. One thing you mentioned at the end was Xavier. Now, we're interested in survivors because of what they can tell us. So can you tell us more about I'll get that? to that, okay? All right, okay, very good. Go ahead and uh, tell us more about what happened. All right. I headed out that afternoon like I told Teddy and myself I would. It wasn't hard since I was all freaked out about being in that empty house in a neighborhood full of dead neighbors and freaking giant vultures feeding on them like some kind of massacre. I figured the smartest thing to do was to dress like I was going to play paintball, so I wore black cargo pants and a black shirt with a lot of pockets. My boots were broken in and felt about as good as sneakers. The pack was this big thing my uncle had bought me for hiking, but that was the first time I'd actually used it. It felt pretty good, even with the change of clothes, food, and sleeping bag I had in it. But it also felt really weird, walking on the sidewalk all geared up like I was going to play paintball and wearing a giant pack like some Appalachian trail hiker passing through town. About 300 yards from my house is an on-ramp for I-81, right by a giant Cracker Barrel sign. Merging onto the highway was easy since I was the only one walking, and there was no moving vehicles anywhere. I walked fast and looked straight ahead since I could see the bodies in the cars and trucks in the corners of my eyes. It looked like a lot of the cars had driven off the road and either crashed into other cars and trucks were just plowed into the fields or grassy medium. Here and there, some had pulled onto the shoulder. Funny, but, but at the time, I didn't even think about driving one. I just figured I was 13 and wasn't allowed to drive, so I didn't try it. Judging by the mile markers on the side of the road, I knew I had walked three miles heading north on I-81 toward Harrisburg. I saw afternoon sun reflecting in crazy angles off of what I knew had to be the light bar from a cop's patrol car. Sure enough, I walked a couple hundred feet and saw a white state trooper's patrol car. At that point, I figured I'd check it out for some info or gear for some info or gear I could use. I peeked in the driver's sidecar window real quick, hoping there wasn't some dead guy in there, but it was empty. I tried the door and it opened. I thought I saw a light flicker from the laptop in front of the dashboard, and more as a reflex than anything, I slapped the screen closed and reached down and popped open the glove compartment, which was full of rubber gloves. I grabbed a, grabbed a handful and put them in my front pocket. On the, on the floorboard was a bag full of everything from protein bars and water bottles to little books on laws and codes cops need to know. The sun was setting and I suddenly got the feeling I was in danger. Only then did it occur to me how much I needed a weapon. I figured a state patrol car was as good as a place as any to find one, but I saw nothing. Even the stand for the shotgun was empty, which got me thinking that maybe it was nearby. It could be the trooper was out on foot checking on something, shotgun at the ready, when he dropped. I slid out of, my, out of the patrol car and climbed up onto the hood and then on, onto the roof, scanning the area for the gray uniform, which I spotted in seconds. He was maybe 100 feet away, lying face down near a white pickup truck in the wide grass, median separating north and south bound lanes. I stepped onto the windshield and dropped off the roof, heading for the pickup. As I drew closer, I heard a strange sound, something high-pitched but mechanical. I couldn't tell what as I stepped closer. I got within 10 feet and it grew louder as the pickup truck started to rock back and forth. 
I was all weirded out and felt like running away when I saw only 10 feet between me and the bloated body of the state trooper pushing out of his uniform like a balloon, slowly inflating. I was about to turn and bolt for the trooper's car, collect my bag and the guy's bag of food until I heard what I finally realized was a dog whimpering coming from the cab of the truck. I stepped up to it and saw a shaggy-headed beast, and my first thought was that a wolf had gotten into the truck. As I jumped back, I saw a long pink tongue lolling out to the side and decided it had to be a dog. I popped open the door and it leapt out, clipping me on the shoulder and spinning me around as I fell to the ground. I rolled over and it was on me in an instant, its hot breath and fur on my neck as I put my arms over my head, seeing its huge white teeth before I closed my eyes. No! I screamed. But by then its front paws were on my chest and my wind left me as it slobbered over me and whimpered, almost squealing in its desperation. When I realized it wasn't trying to rip out my throat or, or stomp the breath out of me, I laughed for the first time in a long time. But that only encouraged it, and I found it sitting across me with all his weight on my chest like it was pinning me on a wrestling mat. I can't breathe, I cried. I hit it once on his shoulder, but he didn't seem to notice, standing on top of me, panting with, until I thought I would pass out. Then he jumped up and began whimpering again. I rolled onto my side and caught my breath as I looked at the dog, huge and gray and long. I had seen pictures of the tallest dog in the world and realized I was looking at an Irish wolfhound. He looked at me and whimpered some more, pawing at the ground and tossing his head. What is it, boy? I asked, getting to my knees. He came over and pushed his head against my chest, almost knocking me over, his breath hot on me as he panted hard. I walked over to the cab and looked around, trying to find out what was bothering him. There were no signs of anyone else in the cab as I pulled out a big cardboard box from the passenger floorboard and set it on the grass. He leapt at the box and batted it with a huge paw, turning it over, spilling three big bottles of water and a bag of dog food. The dog stuck his head in the box and came out with a red plastic bowl the size of a small sink. I felt like such an idiot. Water, I told him, unscrewing the cap from the water bowl as he dropped the bowl on the ground at my feet. I poured water in the bowl, and he wasted no time lapping it up in big, sloppy, rhythmic splashes. I poured out half of the two-liter bottle, and it wasn't long before he finished it and raised his massive head and looked at me whimpering. I tipped the bottle and entered the rest, and he started drinking again until I got thirsty. The dog licked up every drop of water in the bowl and raised his massive head, staring at me, cocking his head, to the right, then to the left. He trotted over to an evergreen tree and lifted his leg while I turned and picked up all the stuff from the box. The bowl, bag of dog food, and all three water bottles, which I put back in the box. He seemed pleased by this because he danced around a little and wagged his tail. I wasn't ready to start leaving trash around, and I figured water bottles were going to come in handy. Once I was back at the cop car, I repacked my pack with all the dog stuff in it, plus the water bottles and protein bars from the trooper's bag. I wasn't sure if the dog was coming with me, but I figured I'd take him along if he wanted to come, though I had no clue what I was going to feed him once his dog food ran out. I found the button for the patrol car's trunk and pressed it. Inside was a jackpot, including a full set of rain gear, a parka, a box of flares, and a row of mag lights all charged up and ready to go. I was so pumped because I couldn't find a freaking flashlight in my house anywhere, and in the back of my mind I was getting pretty worried about being outside and all alone without a light. I stacked the stash on top of my backpack and tied it down with bungee cords I found in the bottom of the trunk of the patrol car. I found a new cell phone still in its case, so I dropped it in my cargo pocket and slid the backpack onto my shoulders. It was wicked heavy, like my spine would bend and snap under the strain. I told myself it would get lighter as I ate food and drank water, and I wasn't about to start throwing crap away when I would probably need it later. Looking around, I decided to do what I knew I had to do.